0: Welcome to the Constant Struggle. I'm Nick Watson.
1: And I am Bree Watson.
0: And together we're struggling.
1: We're struggling on in the world of, uh, you know, balancing art and life. And, uh, you know, keeping uh, young humans. Keeping well young? Animals oh, okay alive. Uh, yep. And also, you know, bringing art into this world. How about that? Does that count?
0: Yeah, no, that, that should count. I think yeah, that's, that's what some, we're doing. that
1: sums it up, I think, nicely. There you go. Um, I'm Bree. I'm an improviser and uh, improv teacher, comedian, writer, uh, ba- currently based in the Niagara region. Um, and this is Nick. Uh,
0: I'm a writer and I have a monstrous day job and live in Mississauga with a, two kids and a dog and my wife. I got the 2.5
1: now, Bree. There you go. You're completely nuclear now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. So we're here. Uh, we're really excited to, to uh, hang on. We're really excited for you to hear this episode with uh, our guest today, which I'm not really going to get into it right now. I'm going to let you writhe in anticipation. Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> I didn't like how that sounded. <laughs>
0: we're keeping it though. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not going anywhere. Uh and this is uh, episode 73 of the constant struggle podcast. You're soon going to hear an awesome interview with Gary Rideout, junior owner uh, of a uh, comedy bar and uh the happiest
0: place on the Toronto. happiest
1: place on Toronto. Yeah. And um Among other things, right? He does other stuff. You'll find out. Just listen to the episode. Uh, But now we're going to catch up. We're going to let you know, keep you posted as to what our creative processes are looking like right now and how they're coming along. How about you, Nick? Nick, you're uh, currently editing your book. Is that right?
0: Uh, Yep. Still plowing through that. But uh, we're coming up on October and I got to I got to dive back into book two so I can get ready for November and write book three
1: for NaNoWriMo?
0: For NaNoWriMo, which and- is in Nano <laughs> It's in November.
1: Rimo's <laughs> in November. So what do you mean by dive back into book two? Uh,
0: just remember where I was at in my story and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go through my notes, uh, find all my plot points and stuff like that. Uh, so I know how to arc my third book.
1: Do you already have an idea? Do you already have kind of the whole... I think box? I
0: had notes. I think oh, I wrote down where I wanted it to go and stuff. Good. Uh, I just got to find that. Oh, awesome. I I'm pretty sure I know where I put it.
1: Okay, good. Did you save it on a piece of paper or on a computer somewhere?
0: I think it's on like the, the beautiful yellow le- legal paper. Perfect. Which Which all great writing is done on.
1: That's right. And legal arguments, too. That's <laughs> true. Wait. Do lawyers sure. still use that, do you think? <laughs> I don't think so. I think they use computers now.
0: <laughs> oh. No. That's disappointing. Why,
1: how come they had their own size paper?
0: I feel like it's a normal size paper, though. I you don't know, know. Like,
1: letter is, like, regular letter size, and then legal is a little bit oh, longer. Yeah. Why do they get I, their own size paper?
0: I don't know. Maybe it I was, like, leftover good. from the colonial era or something
1: this is crazy i'm gonna have to look into this we're gonna get an answer to this by the next episode uh so that's good you're editing you're getting ready for Nano NaNoWriMo you're gonna go back to your uh second book in preparation for your third book that's exciting for the hat trick. yep there you go Wonderful. I. How about you, Brie? Yeah. Yeah, we just had a really busy weekend here at Improv Niagara. We did our first show at a new venue in Welland, Ooh. Ontario, <gasps> uh, which is interesting—the hometown show. Uh, yeah. But we're also excited because we're gonna next month. We're going back to our, uh, to our sort of home spiritual venue, home. Yeah, which is Mate Cafe in Saint Catharines, and we're really excited mm. about that because that's that's kind of our dream venue. Um, then also a couple of us from Improv Niagara got to participate in the Niagara Falls Night of Art, uh, which oh. is basically Niagara Falls is like equivalent of Nuit Blanche.
0: Nice, but nice,
1: yeah, it doesn't go all night long and it's uh spread out over a couple days, it's uh, evening gray. To, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to uh, we got to do improvised art tours, which was a lot of fun, and we got to interpret all of the different uh, exhibits that were on display and make shit up about them it was a lot of fun and the city of niagara falls paid us for it so you know what i mean sweet keep keep supporting the arts government Government jobs (laughs) you probably
0: got a pension for that everything
1: yeah three the pension from from working four hours (laughs) It's something it adds up it sure (laughs) does yeah um and then what else? Um, a bunch of stuff. we uh, I think it, it's looking like some. Uh, somebody
0: wants. Sorry. told me. Yeah, it's looking <laughs> like
1: somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. Uh, the corporate. I want to say corporate. Corporate like workshops and team building and that kind of stuff seems to be um coming back up or... again. Yeah, I think it's starting to pick up again. So that's uh, I'm hopeful for that in the future. We've got a couple bookings in October um i did a workshop people for the, are
0: are ready to smell each other again that's
1: right i think so and spit on each other yeah, yeah. that's
0: what i remember of the before times
1: spit lots of spit mm-hmm. um we also oh yeah i got to do an improv presentation for the greater niagara chamber of commerce was a lot of fun so we're just nice getting, yeah we're just getting out there and trying to do as much stuff as we can safely of course but I think it's kind of nice now that they've got the proof of vaccinations. To be honest, because you know that everybody in the building where you're doing your show is vaccinated, mm. so there's less like looking over your shoulder and stuff. Yeah, um, that is provided that uh, people don't sneak in from the side door um, or anything. Wearing like
0: their their COVID burglar outfits. That's
1: right. That is right. So we're uh, yeah, I'm talking. Oh, and recently, this is exciting for the writing process. I recently started having a, week, a weekly writing date with a buddy of mine, Lara Johnson. Shout Shit. out! And we spend uh, just an hour mm-hmm. working on a writing project. Uh, and this week, I was I looked at a scene from that screenplay I'd written, or for the pilot I had written, and I've completely like. Changed a scene that needed to be changed, which I think is putting me on the right path for getting a better ending out of it. So,
0: oh, cool, yeah, nice, yeah, cool,
1: yeah. So, I mean, it's not a ton of time, but at least, like, when we're there, we've committed to not doing anything other than writing, which sometimes Mm -hmm. is hard to do on your own. So, it's good to have a buddy to help you. It's almost like a gym partner, right? Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but but it can happen on Zoom and you don't have to move your body at all, except for your fingers. <laughs> so that's Noice. my check in. Then the only other thing to report is that I'm going to Banff tomorrow. Woo.
0: Alberta. yay! Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully we'll be out in the mountains and away from. Yeah. People. And since we're yep. vaccinated, I don't know, we'll just mask up and try to not get sick. Avoid
0: everyone else. That's
1: right. Luckily, it's our anniversary, so we can do that. We have a good excuse to do that. Mm-hmm. Everybody stay away. Bamf! Bamf! Yeah, so that's my update. Noice. Uh, so. This, what? What?
0: Should we should we roll into the epi, then?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm excited about it. Nick, you you seem to get a kick out of this. And Did you see what I mean when I was like, you two kind of remind me of each other-ish?
0: Oh, I- completely disagree uh he's successful and he achie- achieves goals that he sets out for himself
1: well maybe it's just that you're both uh two white men who like sports maybe that's oh, okay the sure connection. yeah <laughs> i
0: mean we do share that unique bond that's yeah. it's so so very rare
1: <laughs> uh well you would you have goals and you work towards them
0: yeah, and never different. come close <laughs> yeah okay sure Sure. Yeah
1: uh like gary hasn't written a novel as far as i know anyway it doesn't matter this isn't the put this isn't the comparison pod no this is is like
0: let's take the steps down into the comedy bar open up the door and absorb
1: take in the journey and the experience that is comedy bar it's a happy place a happy and a silly place (laughs) it is and uh, we're going to hear Gary Rideout Jr. tell us all about its humble beginnings, uh, his uh, experience, or I guess his, uh, I don't know, his timeline, his history, uh, becoming a comic and, uh, you know, creating this space for all of us performers. Uh, and, and,
0: and, and maybe some hints at what's to come in the future. Ooh,
1: I like that teaser. If you want to find out what's going on, you're going to have to listen to the episode.
0: Yeah, we're not going to tell you.
1: Mm -mm, But Gary will, so listen on. Uh, We're joined today by an awesome guest. I'm very excited to have him here. Uh, Owner of, you know, the world-famous comedy bar in Toronto. Uh, comedian in his own right, and now director of business development at Second City. Basically, if anything you do touches comedy, in some way, Gary is responsible for it. <laughs> Give it up for Gary Rideout Jr. Yay, welcome. Yay!
2: Um, thank you. Hi. How's uh, it going? Not, not responsible, but not No, paid. not
1: responsible, but in some way, I don't know, in some way, like if anybody succeeds, Uh, in comedy at some point they've performed a comedy bar and you're responsible for comedy bar ergo you're responsible for their success
0: you you made these comedians happen and it's on you you're
1: financially
0: liable for them
2: it is a direct link
1: yeah uh that's awesome well thanks so much for being here oh
2: yeah thanks for having me this is uh fun
1: great cool um nick uh I mean, I'm at a kind of disadvantage because Nick knows probably nothing about Gary. I know what I've I've read that article about that, like 10 year history of comedy bar article. So I might be a little bit ahead. So I feel like Nick's questions will be a little bit better suited for an audience who might not know Gary very well. So uh, do you want to go ahead, Nick?
0: Well, uh, let's start with like a super basic one. Uh, Where where, do you you hail
2: from, Gary? Were you a (laughs) Toronto guy or? I, yeah, I grew up in Toronto. I was born in Halifax. Oh. Um, oh. I, you know, I was here when I was six weeks old. So, you know, it's oh. tw- Toronto since then, but like, um, my immediate family was here in Toronto, but like all my relatives are in, you know, spread out throughout Nova Scotia. Um, uh, my, oh, so- yeah, my dad's from Cape Breton. My mom's from mainland Nova Scotia. And Yeah. So it's mostly an East coast family. And then just grew up in East York. Um, Went to high school at Young and Shepard, uh, you know, Toronto kid. Cool. So do you get to go back a lot to visit the family out east? Because that's a fun trip. Yeah, not as much as I would like. As a kid, I got out there a lot more because uh, it was like family trips, you know, either in the summer or, you know, for the holidays. And uh, like around Christmas time is one or the other almost every year. Uh, spent yeah. Some, you know, spent some good summers down there when I was uh, 11, 12, 13, you know those like you know outdoor kind of cool kid years like that stuff yeah. was fun uh, but yeah you know it's it's tough right life gets in the way and and yeah you know, it's, it's hard to plan a trip out there and, you know when you have a lot of relatives it's you're not allowed to go and see just one so it's like <laughs> if, you're, if you're going yeah. and it's every town every on oh. the way yeah And
0: it's a bit of a ways to get out there too. So you got to, you have to have a decent amount of time. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. i got a good pal from Cape Breton. That's like the closest thing to Newfoundland, I think, for for not being in Newfoundland. Right. It's its own kind of culture and identity there.
2: Yeah, that's right. It it is completely Cape Breton's its own thing. You know, it's funny, you know, we were talking about comedy and like, I remember, you know, we, you know, we flew up. Uh, you know, we we've flown out there before, but it was a lot of like family trips in a car out there. Like, and you know, I talked about going the holidays, like driving in winter. You know, and, <laughs> in, in, in Quebec and like being you know through New Brunswick where it gets down to single lane, and you know you're small enough that you, you know you can barely see over the back windows, and like <laughs> at, you know just like wild you know wild times, like getting a flat in the middle of nowhere and having oh, to walk no. up to a farmhouse and like. <laughs> oh. A tire or something, you know, just like weird stuff. And I remember a lot after being a kid. I remember my dad, like, you know, culturally, you're talking about Cape Breton, and you know, my my dad would play these like cassettes in the car that were like this like thing called like the Time Review or something like that. It was like an East coast comedy thing from you know the 70s or 80s, and it was like they had song like it was like you know it was like a sketch kind of review thing that had songs and like I remember some of that stuff from when I was a kid like in terms of being a comedic influence was like finding this stuff so funny because I was like seven or eight years old and I was like I don't know my dad finds it funny so I find it funny
1: (laughs) It's so regionally specific too, right? Like that's so, I think that's a great thing to pick up when you're a kid that no matter where you are and in what part of the world or in what region you can bring a little something to it, you know, something unique or something that represents your kind of region or lo- locality. I know like Welland, Nick and I are from Welland and there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of comedy around Welland. So I
0: think we could- Yeah, it's such a dark place. You need a good sense of humor. <laughs>
1: it's really fine but uh <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome uh yeah going out, uh, out out east is such a lovely time um and then and then you went to high school you said you're in high school in toronto in east york you said is there did you do were you like the class clown were you involved in comedy in the high school level or yeah like i, I went to an arts high school
2: and mm. there the first year it opened so oh cool they, kids kind of went from all over the city so you know had i gone to the high school in my neighborhood probably i you know i don't know if my life would have taken the same path but like you know because i was in grade seven you know taking transit for an hour to get up to young and shepherd you know to go to the school and then like you know it was i was in the drama program but like those first two years in seven and eight they made you take a term and you know, music and dance and all the other like arts, you know,
1: majors oh
2: as well. And I then, hope
1: there is videos of little Gary <laughs> dancing out there because I want to see that. Sure. Yeah,
2: those, exi- <laughs> those exist for sure. We did like I remember like a bunch of, like the drama guys had to do like this some weird like Rob. The, it was like the theme song of Rob Roy or something, and we all like, had <laughs> swords. I don't know. It's like choreographed though. It's a real thing we did. Um, <laughs> You know, and we did like huge musical productions that where like all the departments would come together. You know, and, oh, cool. and did some big shows, and so it was like really into the like the performance aspect of things from from then. And you know, did like at like assemblies would do like who's on first or something. You know?
1: <laughs> that I feel like that probably set you up pretty well for Humber because that kind of sounds quite a bit like the stuff that. Uh... We did at Humber, and and I know you went to Humber because you came to speak to us when I was uh when I was oh, a really? student there. Yeah, I think Andrew had brought you in to talk to us about probably I, comedy bar. Yeah, <laughs> I've done that a couple times. Like
2: uh, I, I, mean, I directed the the uh, towards the end of second year, they do a final sketch show, and I've gone and directed that a couple times. Um, yes. Yeah, it was you know I had a good time. I had actually gone to Ryerson and done screenwriting as part of the film studies program, and uh, you know a lot of the other <laughs> A lot of the other aspects of the program, I didn't really didn't really resonate with me. And so and I was like partying and I was young <laughs> and yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of a blur. We partied a lot <laughs> and I, mean, that's, I I parked yeah. where so like the parking pass at Ryerson for a year was fourteen hundred and fifty dollars and uh, i just parked wherever and got parking tickets the whole year and oh, man. at the end of the year i like didn't pay any of them and then you used to be able to go in and like plead your case and like so i went in with this huge stack of tickets and was like i'm a student blah blah, blah all of this and like they lowered the <laughs> cost of the tickets to a thousand bucks and so like Jeez. i ended up getting to park in front of whatever building i had a class in and save 130 dollars over there of the park. <laughs>
1: That's so. that's just the kind of ingenuity I think that makes for a great, you know, bar owner, community yeah. leader. Uh, that's those are the life lessons <laughs> that yeah. we I need. Mean, you know, it's
2: look. I, I don't think I won in the end. They they got that, and all of a sudden you had to pay your tickets. But you know that was, oh. uh, I had that small victory that one year. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I kept man. all the tickets too. I always thought it would be fun to do an art installation that was a paper mache life size parking. Officer made of my tickets.
1: Yep. Um, Yes. Put it on display in front of whatever office they have where you have to go in and plead your case. (laughs) Just Uh,
0: title it The Tyranny of Man.
1: wow uh, oh, amazing okay so you went to Ryerson you're partying a lot That's that's what you do in university when you're you know when you're young yeah uh and okay learned about screenwriting then and, and did you go straight to Humber from there I did
2: uh, yeah I, I like uh yeah I trying to remember what the timing was I don't know yeah it was I, sometime like in the at the end of the first semester or something or you know that was when I saw the ad for Humber being a thing and so then I applied there and.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Was it in its kind of earlier stages? Was it still the one-year class or was it still the two-year one? It
2: it was we were at the North Campus so it was early for sure and I think that year you they had like a one-year option or a two-year option and I think because I had the year at Ryerson I could kind of pick and Hmm. I just thought one year wasn't going to be enough so I did the two-year and then the two year was primarily full of people that were coming straight out of high school. And, and, you know, I, it's not a lot, but that, that difference of a year or whatever, I just felt a lot of pressure to um, expedite what I was doing there. And um, Pat Dorn and Talzin Ruin were both there as well. And they'd both been in university prior to the program
1: and oh, we just great.
2: kind of gravitated towards each other as three people that were like interested in working in the industry before school ended. And so we ended up starting a sketch group together and we started doing shows out. I think early on in the program, they, you know, they from a philosophical standpoint, they hadn't really figured out if they wanted people participating in the community while they were at school or wanted them to wait until they were done and then be out in the community. And we were like already really pushing to get out there and do stuff and yeah. and having some, having some success with that. We were doing shows, you know, we, we would like rent Tim Sim's Playhouse and like do a weekend of shows there. And. So you know we started getting you know a little bit cocky about how we were doing in terms of that, and we we uh, you know you applied all the fringes in the fall for the following year, and we applied, we applied to a bunch of fringes and got out on the road and. Um,
1: was this that. was this Todd's Lunch is my yeah okay I've seen the posters but it was before I got into the Toronto scene. Uh so this makes I'm like it the the timeline is is uh adding up in my brain now. Okay. Yeah,
0: like, were, yeah. were there any dedicated comedy places uh other than like a national chain kind of one?
2: <laughs> yeah, so you know Second City at the time was at 99 Blue Jays Way which was this huge theater they they'd moved out of the fire hall into this huge theater and it had these really high ceilings in it and it was Which funny. Is great for comedy. Yeah. Well, it's, well, here's what's funny. So it had this like amazing grid for the lighting. And at the time, uh, Second City had also was one of the final bidders for comedy network against Bell. Like ah. when it was going to be a channel, they were also bidding to, to get the channel. And so people oh. put these packages together with like all these people, like, you know, sign pledging allegiance to like, this is who you're getting letters of support or whatever. And so um, Bell had gotten, you know, a huge group of people to support their bid or CTV or whatever. They'd done like a, a, they had a guy, this guy, Joe Bodilei, and he got all these like comics out West and everyone, and they committed to this idea of regional programming. And so they got all the different regions of the country to support their package. And Second City had all their famous Alamed people supporting their, their pitch for it. So yeah. I always thought when I went in, like when I went into that big space, I always thought like, oh, they probably built it this way so that it was ready for TV production in the event that right. they got a or whatever. And yeah. so a couple of years ago, when I started helping with, you know, looking for a new space in Toronto for Second City and, you know, we we're looking at different spaces around the city or whatever. And I had this conversation with Andrew Alexander and I was like. I always thought it was like that because uh, you guys had the TV bit, and he's like, "Oh no, that was just a mistake in the drawings." <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: uh, I just,
2: no, I just didn't. I didn't. I couldn't tell that that's what going to be You we uh, don't
1: understand uh, the 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 layout of the picture. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was oh, wow. very funny. It was very man. That's great. Oh yeah, I can't. I'm excited to talk about uh, the new location and stuff. If we could get into that in a bit. Uh, but let's stick with the chronological order here. Yeah. I think that's exciting. Oh, that yeah. works.
2: So we got out on the road doing these, the, the fringe tour. And, uh, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, you know, we, we put a running order together for our sketch show. Like we started in Montreal and we were driving from, we finished a show in Toronto, like as a fundraiser. And we got in this van and we're driving out to, um montreal and we were like "Oh, we will put the running order together and get there and um yeah you know the show wasn't like fully fleshed out yet like oh, we just thought cool. out, we just thought we're funny it'll be fine <laughs> and we had you know so we had this reviewer come and um you know, you can kind of go from east to west. There's yeah. a few that there's a few that fall out of sync, like the Atlantic Festival. But like in general, they would line themselves up that you could go festival to festival if you wanted to. And so, you know, we we were supposed to be in Winnipeg a couple weeks later. And this this reviewer, uh, all the fringe shows that were also going to be in Winnipeg, he would like fly out early yes. to Montreal and see all these shows. And you would be reviewed when you got there. And so okay. We showed up, you know, a couple weeks later in, in Winnipeg. We were pulling into town. We'd stopped at a gas station. And then, like, I was getting gas. And then Cal went in to, like, buy something in the store and then came out with, had, had, like, a ghost white face. Oh, and I'm, no. like, What's, I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, I, he didn't want to talk. Like, he just didn't. Oh, he didn't oh, control. No. And then, like, oh. we looked at the paper and we had a one-star review. Like, just. Oh, like, we oh had my no God. God. and Uh, and it was a different show by the time we'd gotten there like we had eight shows to figure out what the show was uh and we'd gone to we we did montreal we came home to toronto did some shows not in fringe just did some shows and then we went and did the thunder bay fringe which was (laughs) insane and then
1: now they had one i didn't know there was a fringe in thunder bay
2: (laughs) yeah like a three-day weekend uh they have this really cool theater there uh the i think it's called the magnus um and but we were across the street from that in the basement of this like community center and we had this tech guy and he's like he was like i get all the big shows and we're like, probably a big show and we're like okay and there was like 150 chairs in this basement and he's like i'm gonna add more chairs don't worry. <laughs> and of course we opened to like you know 15 people or something and like one of them was our so like we had two billets we had to set like they somebody wouldn't take us all together so we, oh. like, we <laughs> and pat was staying with like this guy that was like you know bill murray and caddyshack but he was like renovating his own house oh. and so like this guy would be at 6 a.m start like working on like would come up with these like sugar uh sugar donuts from like you know the gas station gas
1: station yeah
2: came up and offer them to him and then start like renovating his house and like Tal and I were staying with like this incredible baker who was the like, <laughs> nicest lady in the world. Like we were like, like you know, dream, d- you know, dream location. So like, but then she came to see the show and like, obviously, we were these absurd idiots, <laughs> and shit. And then it co- the relationship changed immediately. Like, oh no! You could just tell she was like, I what? Oh, I made a mistake. I th- I thought I was, you know, like you think you're like. I imagine for someone local, they're like, oh, yeah, these cool artists are coming to stay with me. And then you're like, oh, no, it's these buffoons. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Whatever.
1: You signed a contract. Keep making me these cookies, lady.
2: <laughs> so you know, she, she was great, you know, but, like, she was certainly, you could tell she certainly, the show wasn't what, you know, she had hoped. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, we got to Winnipeg. We, we were a different show by then. It was funny, like, in Thunder Bay, we used to, like... Um, we, were, we had these flyers that said that our show was banned in 75,000 countries, which <laughs> was like, and you would hand the flyers out to people and they would go, wait a minute, there's not 75,000 <sighs> oh. yeah <laughs> Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, <and> I, for, <sighs> anyway, you know, after we we, we you know we stripped out, we took out the show title because we had to pick the show title in like wait Yeah,
1: like before every- the show's even ready. Yeah. So
2: we just had some dumb show title that I picked. It was terrible. And then we, you know, so then we just called it Todd's Lunch and we, like, made a different poster. And then we took that guy's terrible review and we, like, you know, pulled a quote from it that was, like, vague enough that made it sound good. So, like, he's sarcastic. It said something like among their big comic revelations is this idea and we just put big comic revelations it's like <laughs> 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 and so then we got it you know by the time we got to victoria the exact same show we were getting five stars and won right. the best comedy in victoria and vancouver and like had all these lineups outside but like you know we were living off like a jar of peanut butter and a loaf of bread for three days in this van to cross the country yeah. and like so broke and then yeah oh, and then all of a sudden we were a hit and had these crowds and like, it was like, you know, we couldn't believe it. Like it just,
1: yeah. What a success story. That's amazing. Incredible yeah. learning.
2: Just an incredible learning experience, learning about marketing, learning about, you know, simplicity in marketing, who your audience is, who you're performing for, um, you know, just great lessons when, when you're like in your early twenties.
0: So yeah. were there like, were there comedy boards online and stuff like that? Like how did people know what shows were good, uh, Oh, with like uh, Exclaim magazine or whatever those
2: reviews would have been. Yeah, I mean that that's it. You know, you had your nows and your exclaims or whatever, and then you had, you know, you just flyer, like we just flyed, you know, oh. we would like if, at fringe you just like stand in lineups and flyer people and people you know, in, in Winnipeg. So the Imponderables were another sketch group in Toronto and they you know a couple of them went to Humber and they were like you got to get out on fringe that's how to do it and like you know they mm-hmm. ran very professionally they did well so we went out on fringe and then when we didn't get into the lottery in Winnipeg they're like well we do a BYOV there you should do it and it, it was this venue called Prairie Theater Exchange which again is like a 350 feet <laughs> like in the rat like three-sided you know theater and like again we got there with this one-star review and <laughs> it's like way off-site and like so we made the reviewers name the password to our show, like for for people. And <laughs> we we're firing this lineup one time. We we're like, "Hey, say this name, you get in free." And, and we're like going along the line, and we went to hand the flyer to this girl, and she goes, "Yeah, I know. Say my dad's name, we get in free." <laughs> like it's a bad Like by the end, we were getting like sixty people a show, and we considered that a huge yeah. List. To have one star and go from fifteen to sixty meant the word of mouth about it was better than, you know, what the what review was, killing you guys. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I I will say too, for me personally, like I'll take a one or a five over a three. You know what I mean? Like,
0: mm. oh, nice. Yeah.
2: Rather <laughs> you be passionate about what you think about what I do, uh, whether you love it or hate it, rather than go, yeah, it's all right
1: than just mediocre yeah yeah middle of the so line. and i
2: think that matters for people going to watch stuff too they're like oh it's a train wreck i'll check that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you know yeah we did all those shows and uh, we ended up doing it again a, a second year um and we felt like we had a you know we had better we had, you know more consistent houses the second year people were a little harder on us because of the, you know uh, because of that first time like the people that loved it the first time thought it was brilliant and so the next time out the expectations were higher and right we, mm-hmm, we, yeah we, we tried to do something a little more conceptual and uh you know they liked it but it wasn't you know it was, it was fours and not fives and stuff like that and so but you know the, the people the fans who liked us like and i'm saying fans but like for real all the same audiences that came a year before came again and like dude that's like a band <laughs> it's like an album yeah. coming out of we, well like in Victoria we were in this venue that was like a former like conservatory music school or converted venue or whatever and we were outside one day and all this huge group of dudes were all like smoking a joint or whatever and we're like what are you guys doing and we're, they were like we heard this is the show to smoke weed and go to and like, <laughs> oh, uh,
1: cool. hey, that is a win yes <laughs>
2: yeah. So, like, you know that was kind of the reputation for like the absurd like you know the kind of absurd style of our humor right and, um, yeah so that that was fun and We'd written a, like, we wrote a self-referential musical about our, about our schedule, um, which we performed in the in-between year, between those two years we toured, and (laughs) it was called Talk, Lunch, and Musical, and um, I I went back to people I knew from high school, a a composer from high school, um, and was like, what are you up to these days? Do you want to write these songs for us? And a a choreographer from high school was like, can you choreograph this? we got a bunch of comedian friends of ours from Humber. Um, Flossie and the Jube was a sketch troupe that was like Dan Gallia and Grant Cumming and Craig Brown and Bob Kerr. And we were like, do this with us. Or <laughs> you know, all our friends together, like doing a, a big, dumb show. And Glenn Sumi came <laughs> and did a great review. And
1: Amazing. We're
2: like... <laughs> but it was this like ironic, to, you know, again, like a lot of it wouldn't pass today, but like, but it was like silly and absurd, but you know, and, and and super self-referential, but that that was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, uh, at at the end of the second year, we did shows out in Vancouver and then, uh, tell it to fly home for something. But Pat and I drove down to LA and we saw the groundlings while we were there and they had, you know, a live band on stage and, you know, this big cast. And we had just kind of done that with You know, like a lot of the band for our musical was like Friends of Towels that, you know, played in real bands and stuff, but loved to get together and jam for us doing the show. And we were driving back from LA. We were just like, man, we could do that. We could have like a sketch show every week. And uh, at the same time, Dan Gallia had like booked a run of shows at the Rivoli on Sunday nights, like that was starting later that year or had just started. And, uh, you know, Pat Caldeman was like, you know, we, we want to do this weekly sketch thing and, you know, we should get together and figure that out. And then we were kind of going to melt that. And then um, I went, we had run the, the, our, the musical we'd done, we, we ran at the poor Alex and the annex. And I was okay. like, I think we should switch over there. So the first two, so we started sketchers like yeah. we got a big group of people and we, you know, our first show was January 4th, 2004 okay. at the Rivoli. And we did the two Sundays at the Rivoli and then we switched to the poor Alex and we were at the poor Alex for about two years running the show. And, but it took about, you know, four months to get the momentum going where like, all of a sudden there was like lineups around the building. And well, man, you know, we were able to get like, you know, Toronto comedy celebrities to host the show and, and want to be a part of the show. And um, yeah, it was like, I, you know, I it was just a thing that like, I'm not sure if it was like bridging a gap to getting people to like participate in someone else's show, you know, like so getting getting Scott Thompson to host. And it's like now Scott will go around and play a lot of shows. But at the time, it wasn't like that. So it was kind of a big deal that we were like asking Colin Mochrie to come do this. Colin Colin was doing a sketch with us and like his phone rang and it was Deb calling him to remember to pick something up on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) all in the scene and then like put back and like oh man that's adorable (laughs) just like
0: did 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 the kids in a hall play riv
2: like is that where they that's where they started started, yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah i feel like if if
1: anybody's gonna understand you know the kind of hustle you guys were going through having a host like scott running it or hosting and coming in and participating that makes a lot of sense you know it's like you're bridging bridging the history of of this you know comedy in Toronto too
2: yeah so it was it was you know and like in a way you know we also we you know we charged five bucks for the show and the money all went back into the show like we you know we would use it to pay for promo and uh keep the show going and
1: Yeah, well, the show's been going on ever since then, right? I mean, other than the the current situation with the pandemic, has it's st- I don't has it started yeah. back up again?
2: No, no, yeah, but yeah, you don't yeah.
1: have that many people <laughs> together yeah, in a room right. yet. Yeah, you know, it was, so,
2: uh, yeah, it was very irreverent. It was just this thing and. I don't know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we just knew we wanted to, like, push hard to do something that nobody else was doing. And we and we liked the discipline of forcing ourselves to write a new show every week. And mm-hmm. uh, and it got a lot of press and a lot of attention. And, you know, I always said, if that was something that we'd done in, you know, New York or LA or something, it would have been, a, like, they would have pulled us out of that and given us a TV show. But, yeah. you know, Canada's, like, we'll take you something here and you'll everybody went and got everybody a lot of the people from that show work professionally in the industry now um but yeah you know it never collectively was allowed to be the thing it was which was unfortunate were, were you doing a day job all that time as well yeah yeah i was doing like i mean i wasn't doing a day job i had a lot of odd jobs um okay you know i worked out of that my dog's parking uh, <laughs> Room where I can close the door, so we'll be on the move here for a minute. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I uh, I was a valet at high steakhouse, and mm. Pat's parents owned a moving company, and so a few of us would all work as a packing crew for the moving company. Like it was like you know an upsell for people that wanted someone else to come in and do their packing for them. Yeah, yeah. So it was always a bunch of comedians and someone. <laughs> Like <laughs> v- rooting through their stuff and like, like you know, packing it up.
1: Well, you got to put a lot of trust in people. <laughs>
2: it was a job, but it was you know, it was fun. Uh, yeah. So I did that. Uh,
1: okay, so now now we've got Sunday. Well, there was the Sketchersons. When did it switch to Sunday Night Live, or was that just sort of always the same?
2: Yeah, that was always it. We called it that. We were. You know, we were just like, what's the it was sort of that lesson we got on the road, you know, when we were like simplifying the title of our show for the public to understand. We were like, we're going to do this live show every week and we're going to write new material every week. We'll just call it Sunday Night Live because that's the easiest and quickest way the public will understand what we're doing.
1: I get it. It's like that Saturday Night Live show, but (laughs) on a different day. Uh, perfect. And so, at what point did we? At what point do do we find our home away from the poor Alex and into comedy bars? That happened pretty soon after.
2: There was a, you know, we were, uh, we showed up one Sunday morning at the poor Alex, and uh, there was like locks on the door, oh. and the building was, you know, they they put the building up for sale, and uh, I called the new owner, like I, I was able to track down who had bought it, and. I gave them a call and was like, hey, can we just keep doing our show here? And they were like, well, we're going to, you know, we're just like, they were waiting on like whatever permits or whatever they were going to do, yeah. like, whatever decision they were going to make. So we were the only thing in the building for, that lasted for about eight more weeks where like we did get to keep going as the only thing in the front yeah. And the old owner had ripped out most of the stuff. So it was like, you know, it was uh, a you know stereo system from my house as the PA. And the lights were a bunch of like, you know regular lights and christmas stuff and like checking the show with a power bar and plug and like you know all these like outlets it was <laughs> very homemade for those eight weeks or so and then we showed up finally one day and they were like no we've we started like demolition work for it. <laughs> and so again no notice so we went across the street to the brunny and there was a guy like mopping up over there and i was like can we do a show here tonight? Have people coming, like we have a crowd coming. And uh, he was like, oh, you got to call the owner and our line. So like he put me on the phone with this guy and I was like, hey, we're going to do a show here tonight. A hundred people will be here and, you know, I don't know. You'll sell a thousand bucks at the bar. And he's like, can you sell two thousand? And I was like, sure, man. (laughs) (laughs) No no idea if we could, but I was like, yeah, man. And then uh, he was like, all right, great. I was like, you just need one bartender here and like this guy if you want. And like, he was kind of like a, manager at the time and uh they were like okay great and so we did it and we had a huge party that night to make sure we hit this number and then they called me like the the management called me the next day and they were like do you guys want to keep doing that and we were like yeah <laughs> and because like you know we liked staying in the neighborhood it was immediately across the street uh from from where the pros had been so the audience knew where to go and that back room had this neat stage in it and There was a hundred chairs in the basement. We would have to walk a hundred chairs out of the basement every week to set up. Mm. And we built these flats as the wings of the stage. And, but, but there was this like VIP area that went along the back wall and it was like an L shape to the stage in the corner. And so once you got past this, like, you know I had one curtain that we hung next to the the black and that was our backstage. But like at the poor Alex we always did the show first downstairs. And then we went to the bar upstairs and had an after party after. And we would have a, our musical guest play or, and then we would have karaoke or something like, that. but when we got to the poor Alex, we were like, we can just go grab a drink while we're doing the show. And it just, everybody got looser and like, Oh, nice! cause you could go grab a pint and you're like leaning over the railing, watching the scenes with the audience. Like it was like, the energy was so great in there. And then they, they were like, could you do anything on other nights? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so, you know, I, uh, we started running Wednesday nights where we were getting, I'd started with four different troops having a monthly and then I doubled those nights up. So it was eight troops and it was two every Wednesday having like an eight and a nine 30 or whatever. And that was like the start of me figuring out that like there was an appetite for a gathering place for everyone to do comedy in the same place. And oh so that- you guys the, that's like a
0: unicorn landing at that guy's bar. It's Like, oh, would you like yeah. lots of money from out of nowhere?
2: <laughs> well, the, you know, the buddy was like, I mean, for them, you know, probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they were doing, you know, $10,000 a night of like student drinking, you know, and then they were closed like, yep. the rest of the days. So like, or 5,000, whatever it was, you know what I mean? Like our number was a small number, but they were closed those days anyway. So like yeah. grabbing Wednesdays and Sundays and making it a five-day week for them when it used to be a three-day week, they're like, it's just free money, right? So
0: yeah,
2: yeah they liked it. and We had free reign to put sit someone at the table by the front. And there's like a little curtain there and they were able to charge for tickets. And that was the, you know, that was like I said, that was the start of figuring out that like everybody wanted to, you know, when I started in comedy, like I said, you could like rent Tim Sims maybe once every six months to get around mm-hmm. there. And you could do a show at Clinton's, uh, oh. but a lot of the nights in up at Clinton's, like uh, Pirate Video Cabaret was a weekly Sunday show there. The Rib had the alt on on Mondays. And, you know, at one point the sketch dot had started being uh, like a sister show to the alt on Mondays and it was on Tuesdays. So it's called the sketch dot. But otherwise, when it was only the all time, you could only get on once every three or four months as a sketch troop. Yeah,
1: because it like, it's mostly of... stand up. Yeah.
2: And then the sketch shot helped get more troops, you know, go. You're always
1: more into sketch, eh, Gary? You never uh, did you ever try stand up or did you get into improv? I guess Catch-22 is your big improv.
2: Yeah, I did. I did a little bit of I did a little bit of stand up, you know, maybe for about a year. Uh, which is obviously not like not enough time to get really good at it. But I also, I I wasn't, um, I love, I love storytelling uh, and I love putting emphasis in the right part of a story to make it funny for people. Uh, But I have a hard time, uh, you know, apparent spontaneity is like the key to stand up is acting like you just thought of it every time. And I, I don't fake that very well. (laughs) Uh, Like I didn't, you know i just would hate my own material after i'd done it a couple times and you know i was that's important for comedy hating hating your material <laughs> i'm sure that's true of everyone to some extent but i just felt like you know you have to go out there and you start pretending that it's this new idea every time and it's like yeah you know i, I, I and whatever the people who do it are so great at it it's and to be able to see someone with the nuance of, of how they're able to do that or how to how they're able to make it feel fresh for themselves every time by altering it slightly but still having it hit the way they needed to like I'm so impressed by all of that for me it was like to be authentic I just that you know a I got really busy with you know a running comedy bar Literally, and that sort of yeah. like I had always kind of like Torn my nose at, at, at improv because I always felt sketches is the thing you write and improv is the thing you do for free after. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but you know when I got busy, um you know, I, I improv became like this outlet where you could be, you, you know, be off, the, you know, just truthful and honest and and uh, you know you could play and you could just show up and play, you know, like and so that that made a big difference. And what I what i like look i'm not a great improviser but like what i do like is that th- my experience with sketch and the hundreds of sketches i wrote for do you know doing something i live for years and years and years and years was like that i i can recognize the arc of a scene the yeah. beginning of a scene. and so in playing an improv scene it was always you know i always could see the the ones and zeros of where it could go or where it should go and it's like you, you're sort of improvising your way through a you, you know, an unscripted sketch, right? And in, in terms of good short form improv. So that's why I always felt like I was at least comfortable being in it, um, you know, that I could tell a
1: story. Uh, yeah, that's one of the way. things like teaching now, I'm kind of like, they're just going to let this go on for, oh, they don't know. They don't know we have to end now.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's um, the, the pressure to, to tell a story and have an arc and, and you know, and and, often find your ending in the beginning is like you know I mean that 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 in itself is a skill to learn so you know and sometimes when you you know the script you know sketch writing was the was the training wheels and it was the the sort of the the guardrails for understanding what that was you know so yeah
1: yeah for I imagine for like writing longer scripts and stuff too writing sketch is like a great way of of sort of learning to compress it into a you know a tight uh full-fledged story as much as you can
2: well even you know like tommy boy was on like on tv this morning and it's just like uh, so many scenes are bits you know like so many many of the scenes are like that you you know they can stand alone as this great segment within the overarching plot and you're like yeah it's great like you know, you can pack this full of stuff because you know where you're trying to get to. And, and you know, which parts add to that? Which parts are, it would be, you know, how many bits they, they probably tried and were like, okay, that, that pulls too far away. But,
1: you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess if you've got all of these like really great sketch comedians and writers writing that show or that movie too. Um, okay, well, that reminds me because you mentioned uh, with Sunday Night Live, it didn't sort of pan out as one full fledged ensemble TV comedy, but you did get to create that ensemble comedy with Comedy Bar, right? How how did that come about? And how how was that experience? Oh, sorry. Can Nick, we can I also, jumping ahead.
0: I, I want to know like, uh, what it was like, right before Comedy Bar happened, like, um, you found out you got a location, what's it like going there and checking it out? And then imagining what it's gonna be or like or was there
2: was there another comedy bar before comedy bar or was that it no that was it we were like you know we were doing shows um at the brunny well after the brunny we went to diesel playhouse so uh you know they had set the second city had closed at that location and uh they decided to open it as diesel playhouse so they could run evil dead there Mm -hmm. and um evil dead ran there forever evil dead the musical but then they were like looking for other supplemental stuff to have in there and we're a great thing because we were sunday nights you know and so um you know one of the producers running that space came to see us at the brunny one night saw our big crowd and was like do you want to come do this down here and i was like here's what we need we need our own office we need a place to have rehearsals and we need you to hire us a publicist because we don't want to do it for ourselves anymore yeah. and if that we'll come in there and do it. And so they agreed to all that. And we moved in and we had like an office on the second floor and, you know, we had, that's where we went and had our read throughs. And, uh, because prior to that we were doing them at this place called the Eagles club near like young and Dundas. That was like this, like private version of like a Legion. right? Uh, and so, you know, this, this way we got our own space and we were borrowing off other people and we were able to rehearse there. And, uh,
1: Gary, where yeah. does this business savvy come from? Because most comedians don't have the wherewithal to be like, this is what we need. You know what I mean? Did you would does that come naturally to you? Or did you take classes? How where did that cause that's I, you know, that's I, a, I honestly I honestly
2: don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I did you know, yeah, I don't know, like it was like I remember in high school, you know, uh we would go to Wasanga Beach all the time for like meal on weekend and then as soon as we knew how to like, as soon as you could start burning CDs and like downloading music, I knew like we used to go to the government, which was like one of the, I did a lot of clubbing, I used to go out a lot. And so like, you know, Mark Oliver was a DJ there and we would get like the names of tracks from him before like they were really were, you know, really out there. And then we'd download these tracks and like, I put this album together and you know, printed a printed a cover for the CD and like a case, and we sold CDs all weekend. Like we just had loud systems in our cars, and we would <laughs> and pump these songs that people knew from clubs in Toronto that they didn't know where they could get, and then people would come buy these CDs off me for twenty bucks. <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. Oh man! So I don't know. like, it, you know what I mean? I don't know. It, I don't, you know, when you ask about it, it's like, yeah, I was always. I don't know. It's not like I don't think there was anything like. Uncouth about any of it. It was just
1: no. You just uh, have this kind of entrepreneurial gene.
2: Yeah, I guess yeah. So <laughs> I just always feel like you know I don't like sitting and waiting for someone else to decide for how something can happen for me or not. And so if you're sitting, like I always said, if you're creating your own work, then you're never out of work. So you know that's that was kind of the motivation and. I was that hustle was like let's make our own shows let's produce our own shows let's and it just kept evolving more and more from that you know Um, yeah so you know we were at Diesel for a bit and then you know uh, the Brunny thing I was still running the Wednesday nights for other people up there and uh, you know that was I, I don't know. I just I my, my friend James, who's my business partner at Comedy Bar, he he's been working at RBC for years, and uh, he we were at a friend of ours had like opened this like meat distribution thing in like Woodbridge, thing. and how you get invited to a stag in Woodbridge is a guy walks in and goes, here's ten take, you have a table worth of seats, fifteen hundred bucks, give me fifteen hundred bucks, and your job is to find nine other friends to come with you. And then you go to the stag and the, the prize is like a Harley Davidson something. And like, it's like hundreds of people that don't know the guy getting married, but it's all <laughs> of the, for, for the person getting married. Right. Like, so we got invited to the stag and we all went up there with our buddy and we're all sitting around James was there. And he was like, you know, he'd been working at the bank a long time. He's like, I, I, because I want to open my own business. Like he was looking at doing something sort of like, um, like a sporting life kind of thing or something like that. And I was like, we should do this comedy thing, man. Like I'm, I'm running these shows everywhere, and other people are, you know, d- at like doing well off of it. And everybody's asking us to like bring them stuff, and you know. And I was like, and comedy gets, you know, the the, the last pick, you know, like all these venues are yeah. like, hey, come do comedy here on a on a, you know, on like a uh, the Monday night, just ban the weekend, whatever. And uh, I was like. I was like, you know, we need a thing where comedy can be the main thing. Yeah. You know? And so he was like, well, I'll write up a business plan. And if it looks good, like we'll, we'll try it. So, you know, he sent me a link to the RBC website to like samples of what exactly. business plans look like. Wow. And-, mm. and he took it and made it real because I wrote it, you know, like I was telling a story and he had to make it look like a, a legitimate business uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, now outside the door.
1: The door, the door. <laughs> does he want to let? Does he want to be let out?
2: Yeah, you want. Well, yeah, the back door is open.
1: He just, oh, like, he just wants. He just wants well, love.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll leave the door.
2: <laughs> I gave him a bone. At the start of this, but I guess he chewed through it already.
1: <laughs> it's a big dog. Yeah, he, you know, probably goes through him pretty quick. Oh, pretty puppy.
2: But okay. uh, yeah, so you know, so we worked on the business plan, and um, yeah, we ended up, uh, you know, getting you know get getting someone to give us a little bit of money, and uh, I think our initial borrow was like thirty-five thousand dollars, and but it, by mm. the end, it ended up being like almost times that.
1: Um, how many times that sorry you cut out about 12 times that much
2: like it was a, holy shit ended up, ended up being almost four hundred thousand dollars. um but you know we didn't know that at the time we thought like oh yeah and what happened was we were doing those shows at DO, but then on wednesday nights we would all uh load into cabs and go up to hurricanes to do karaoke and i was walking back to the subway from doing uh karaoke and hurricanes and there was a for sale sign wow. in the window of this eritrean restaurant at pool hall uh and i the first time i walked by it i looked at it and thought about it and i kept going uh yeah. like, and then and i walked by again i was like i'm gonna go look in there and then you know from outside it didn't look like much but once you get down the stairs and inside it opens up and there's a bunch of space and i was like oh this could work and so
1: <laughs> i imagine you, just like angelic voices yeah you so, in. <laughs> You know we made the deal with these guys
2: this was Hudson; you're unbearable so we we made the deal with these guys and then uh you know to, to your point we were like waiting around to get started we thought we were gonna paint like put on a fresh coat of paint and open in six weeks and instead we had to gut it and you mm. know it was like operating illegally for years like it wasn't even like pr- there was no ventilation system we had to like yeah let's all the floors and do proper plumbing and like so we gutted it to nothing, and it took 55 weeks until we opened again. Oh. Holy shit! So, And it was like a full, proper, you know, everything that had, you could expect to have to be done in one of those, like, reno shows, that, it happened.
1: Oh, so, oh my god.
2: You know? And uh. I, Julie Dume was doing Project Project at the time. We were doing those shows at Unit 102 on Wednesday night, and then we would go from Unit 102 up to, uh, up to karaoke, and uh she wanted to do uh the combustion festival in may of that year and we got so we, yeah we got comedy bar i think in october october 23rd of 2007 and we didn't open till november 8th of 2008 uh-huh. but earlier in 2008 around may julia wanted to have this combustion festival and of course when we got to space i'm like yeah book okay, it, go we'll be ready by then, and then <laughs> all the flights were booked and people were coming and we had to go to our contractor and go like uh, which was james's dad and go like uh hey like we have to have this improv festival here in two weeks and he was like absolutely not and I was like, well it's happening so we have whatever we can do to make this place safe and then he's like he was like well I'm taking that week off where i'm not coming in here at all and we'll just get it as ready as we can get it but you know like the, you know, the washer had no ceiling on it, and, like, it was, like, one single toilet people would line up at, and then we had another toilet it was the one we used for construction, but it, we just put a blue tarp around it, and I was like, okay, anybody's only peeing, guys, guys in line, if you're peeing, okay, it was, like, you know, the bar... Man a folding table with a couple buckets of ice and bottles of beer in it. We were just like, we're, putting you know what I mean? And that was, but it, it, it gave us the revenue to finish the rest of the job. So amazing. Oh, shit.
1: As far as comedy bar goes, hopefully our listeners like are familiar with it and they love it and they come frequently and they've started coming back now and it looks incredible what you've done to it over the course of the pandemic. So coming back to it, it's almost like this fresh, beautiful new space. Um, mm. how, what what about um and and now you've got a new role with second city as well
0: yeah we should end with the new project avery and then
1: and then talk struggles or (laughs) i guess we've mentioned a few. no i think we've
0: covered some struggles like okay
1: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah okay so we've got comedy bars back open now uh ensure there are some restrictions ensure people have to you know show their proof of vaccination that kind of stuff now but yeah what do you what what do you want to know nick about uh the new project or shall I?
0: how's it coming along how is it coming or?
1: along and yeah. by the new project we're talking of course uh the new second city second city's new home that you had to help find and uh are now kind of responsible for so so much of it yeah.
2: so you know it's um it's been fun uh that that space there's kind of two things going on. We're working on a new comedy board location in the East End. Of course, uh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, that's, that's what that's, I meant. That's so
1: many exciting
2: things. <laughs> so for the first little while, Second City is going to do shows there um, while we bu- while we finish building the Second City Theater. And um, yeah, Second City was uh, has new owners. The new owners are really excited about uh, the market here. And, you know, seeing the... Uh, architectural drawings for the place in Toronto was it was a huge you know uh, a huge part of the sale for them. And like,
1: they, they understood the drawings.
2: Yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know so they're very excited about it and so you know we've started you know very early on and then you know uh, coming on board with the company they were like yeah let's get that going and so you know the, the renovations have started and uh, it's just it's a very big property, and it's and it's a long build process. And and right yeah. now, uh, you know there are, uh, mostly like supply chain issues for material- right. Oh shit! Yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, which, you know, is why we like put the timeline out till mid next year, kind of thing, because we're like anticipating that things are gonna take longer. You know, like at, you know, at Danforth for our HVAC units, they're, they're made, they're built in Texas, and Texas, since they had that power outage thing earlier <gasps> in the year, yeah. they've been behind delivery schedule on,
0: oh, like
2: year. Year. yeah, we ordered those units, you know, uh, 16 weeks ago, and they're going to get here this week, wow. so n- normally, you know, it would take less than half that time, so, you know, there's just uh, everything, like, you know metal studs a a the price has gone up for materials oh, yeah. but also the the, the availability you kind of get what what you they can get to you because because of supply chain so
1: yeah tell us a little bit more about this the new location in general and and what we can maybe what we can expect once all of the you know <laughs> once all of the uh, things that you need are in place I, in there
2: i mean you know so uh we had to leave Mercer street because they were building condos i think the cool thing about uh, you know, one word, new York Street, is that it already is a condo, so we won't be forced to leave.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, to- I meant comedy bar. I meant the new comedy bar. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: yeah, I mean,
2: you know, that's a fun space, too. It was a furniture store, and uh, you know, um, now it's not So that. the chairs are there.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, comfy beds to sit on and watch yeah, the show. That's
2: right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, the whole audience is just spread out mattresses like as a- <laughs> <laughs> just kind of chill out with a pillow and yeah. Um uh yeah, it was you know, we we kinda had like we were we've been interested in doing this for a while because, you know, as you know, like getting a getting a show at comedy bar is can be difficult. Like there's a lot of demand from the community to have shows there and
1: Oh yeah, that uh, reminds me, I gotta get guess who running again, Gary. We <laughs> could talk about that anyway. <laughs> yeah, but,
2: but you know, that's that's the thing, right? It's like it's you know, it's there's there's demand there and I always feel like I'm letting people down when I don't oh. look for them because it's just you know, and it's I think every single person is like, Oh, I don't know why he doesn't like me or something. It's like oh. the spots are gone. I just don't have any you know what I mean? And I and I I have a hard time, you know. I should just reply to people right when they email and be like, I don't have anything, but I, I try really hard to make it work or to see if I can shift something to make it work. So then sometimes it takes me longer to get back to someone because I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. And
1: oh, you, you know, have a kajillion people writing to you at all times. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty like the
2: demand is pretty high. Like, and you know, a lot of people are good producers. I love everyone's ambition and I, I love the model. Like, you know, I love the idea that, again, it comes from my own, I you know, sense of needing to work for yourself and not wait for someone else to book you. Mm-hmm. And so if people have that ambition, there's revenue to be made, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I'd love to be able to do more of that. I've, there's been also been comics who are like, can I put you down as a reference so I can get a mortgage for a condo? Because
0: wow.
2: I, I make money at a bar and I'm like, great. That's great. Yeah. Like, I loved it. Cool. You know, we're never going to be your entire revenue stream. But if we can be a part of the money that you make every year that supports your lifestyle, I I appreciate that. So, yeah. yeah.
1: See, I told you, Gary's responsible for people's success
2: (laughs) and and Uh livelihood.
1: Uh, One thing I think is very interesting about the new location is that it looks uh, accessible and that seemed to be an issue that came up a lot at Comedy Bar, um, at least the one Mm -hmm. uh, at Ossington. So is this one going to be a little bit more? I know we're jumping into, I should have maybe.
2: No, it is. Yeah. This question. Um, You know, this is, and it's something I, like, it's so funny, you know, it's not funny, but like when the pandemic was happening, one of the conversations I had with our city councilor in the West End was like, you know, there, there are like, funds for this kind of you know you know to, to convert your space and they've just been closed the whole time and i'm like while wow, all our businesses are closed wouldn't this be a good time to be investing in this kind of like infrastructure and upgrades yeah man
1: and you know <laughs> nick just I, applauded I, 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 <laughs> he he took back and applauded
2: <laughs> no but you know what i mean like i said yes. I, I was like right now we're all closed anyway this is when to do the work because because the, the big hindrance to do it is that it's it's very expensive like sometimes yeah. it's not possible based on the physical space that you have, uh, but it's oh, also very oh, this Dog, honestly, <laughs> it's,
1: sometimes it's trying. He's trying to like he wants to hype you up. That's what he's trying to get in on. It. Here. He won't like it. <laughs>
2: oh you know. well, look at him! <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know, um, it, it's uh, you, you, yeah. So it's you, you know, it's expensive. Uh, but it, it, we should all be doing it if we can and if you can physically make it fit. And then, uh, but but the other thing is time. Like, if you don't want to, like, if we're open every single day at Comedy Bar, so you're going to close to, like, for how long while someone does the work, right? And I was like, yeah. that's, that's one box you can check off and go, like, hey, we're already closed. Let's get everyone, let's get everyone, like, up to code, you know, like, yeah. uh, and it just fell on. It, it just didn't uh, work. Uh, but so, you know, it's still something I'd like to address in the West End. It's very difficult based on the fact that we have, you know, a, a half riser of stairs, then a landing, and then a second riser of stairs. Uh, you know, once you're inside, we could probably figure some things out in terms of ramps. And, you know, we have two staff washrooms and we only need one. So one of those could be converted into a, uh, you know, an accessible washroom. Like there are mm-hmm. solutions in some of the places, but it is getting from the street to inside that like we would have to get some kind of like under those stairs, it's all concrete right now. We'd have to get someone to like excavate, wow. maybe remove a portion yeah. or, or if I could take a portion of my landlord's space upstairs, like they, like we'd love to look at it at some point, but it is super cost prohibitive and like, uh, it doesn't mean it shouldn't happen, but you know, it'll in, at least in terms of anything I do going forward, it'll always, you know, will always, it will in anything new, it will always be addressed. And so at Danforth, we have a we have a lift going into the space that cool. um, will go to the lower level where the uh, studios are uh, well, there's but, a
1: lower level
2: <laughs> yeah so yeah so it goes to the lower level where the, where the studios are at street level there are you know the buttons for the doors to open automatically there are you know things that the uh, you know there's a variety of tables so some are at lower heights there is the, like you know the, like the consideration of like what height you know where you can, like like the counter is when you're paying for a ticket to tap at the counter like all these things that meet a there's, you know, there's code. There are code recommendations within the the building code that tell you like, this should be at 1100 millimeters. They do everything in millimeters. I don't know why, I guess, (laughs) because more precise. Uh, Uh, So there's that, but then the lift also goes uh, up a couple feet and connects directly to the dressing room backstage. So, uh, so, you know, that, that will be locked unless you are, you know
1: performing I, yeah
2: unless you are performing so that you don't just can you get someone can't just wander backstage during a show but you know yeah. the, for, for when it's needed it, it goes to that level and then everything backstage is on the same level um that's you know. so
1: cool that's so exciting I know yeah. so many yeah I know well yeah. not so many people but I know people who will be very excited about that yeah I know yeah I'm pretty
2: excited about it too I think you know again like I said I, I when we started the business like, I was a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't a consideration like, and, you know.
1: You I just wanted to bring people out f- to, to to have a good comedy time. But now, yeah, I yeah. mean, I guess when we see your role in the community as you're I don't know, as a leader in the comedy community, it's awesome to see you're considering it and you're actually putting, you know, implementing ways to make yeah. it work for for everybody. Yeah.
2: In the meantime, at, at Comedy Bar on the West End, we've tried to, you know, because not everything is about physical accessibility, like I, that, it, that is a huge one. But we've also done, you know, you know, sensory-friendly shows and some things like that to to address some other, uh, you know, accessibility concerns, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's the world's made up of all types of people, and That's you know, for sure. yeah. Try to, you know, make it work for everyone.
1: And when is the when is the space on the damforth opening up do you know do we know do we have an official date
2: we're getting close okay. getting close um we're hoping nice. to we
1: announce HVAC.
2: yeah uh, yeah <laughs> that shows up, that shows up this week uh which is good uh we're the work is fast and furious right now like there there's a lot of crew like a lot of crews on site um uh in all the different you know subcontractor departments getting stuff done and um, we're hoping to be able to make an announcement, uh, in about a week or so, uh,
1: I must be and- good because second city's using it. You know, it's, it must be, they must be chipping in to a certain degree. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you're allowed to talk about. I was going to say compared to when you had to gut comedy bar and it was just kind of you and James, you know, the, the evolution of it, the process hopefully is a little bit, easy maybe easier better no no not at all okay (laughs)
2: uh,
1: no lessons were learned
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah no you know from that perspective it just started to make sense that uh because you know the york street project for various reasons was delayed you know because covid and because of the sale and stuff like that that you know timing wise it was going to take a little longer to get them up there and you know um we just you, you know, I mean, if Comedy Bar wasn't already open in the West End, it you know might be a different conversation we're having, but it's like, you know, I, I, I mean, Second City is so historically significant to comedy in Canada and in Toronto, and uh, ah. I think it's important to have it back open, and, you know, and it services a whole segment of the community that, you know, in a different way than Comedy Bar does, and so yeah. for us, I think just to... You know, to be able to in the future go like, "Hey, remember when Second City was here?" and like, you know, it it becomes like, you know, a part of the fabric of that space in a neat way, and and it gets those actors back to work and those, you know, and people back taking classes and things like so, stuff that stuff that otherwise we, you know, be this gap, you know, until next year sometime, and it's like, to me, there's more balance and more value to the comedy community as whole. It makes the community more whole.
1: In general. I like that. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah, oh, Look to
2: the comedy karma. Well, <laughs> we kind of gone through the same thing. I don't know if you remember, but at one point, you know, when Bad Dogs lease had, you know, sort of like their their landlord sort of doubled their rent overnight, uh-huh. kind of thing on the Danforth, and they, you know, were out of that space, and uh, my friend Julie had just sort of started to run it, and I was like, well, we just finished building this cabaret room and yeah. comedy bar. You guys can come do stuff here and you know that was like it was just sort of to keep it going you know and to, to bring everything together and so they ran there for a bit they needed more they they grew like it, it helped them like you know stabilize and they were growing and we were growing a cotton floor they needed more space we needed more space and, and we had you know on a on a sort of side adventure we had started baltic as this like nightclub thing we were gonna try right and we hated that and then we were like <laughs> <laughs> hey, this a theater. Do you guys want to go there? And Bad Dog was like, yeah. And so then, you know, we converted it into Bad Dog and they moved down the street. And, you know, so in the same way, I just feel like, you know, helping the community is kind of good for everyone. And my uh-huh. job at Second City is in business development. And this felt like it sort of like made developing people. businesses. <laughs> it was just like a good match for, for both of us for, for the short term uh, to see brands you know succeed i mean we're everything is kind of consolidated to get through covid and so you know if we can partner on this in the short term and have them as their are, you know resident company uh, you know i mean that's an honor for us and yeah. uh you the know
1: dodge that you guys have each other's back you know isn't that nice it's so nice to see uh in in you know happening in real yeah. time <laughs>
2: You know, also York Street is so big and so ambitious that I think, you know, being able to go into that with some momentum and rather, you know, rather than Mm -hmm. going from scratch, I think is really important for Second City to have success in that space as well. And so part of that is, you know, being able to build and grow the team for Second City as it moves it towards that. So, you know, uh, keeping content going and and having casts up and running and and, and shows ready for day one when we get in there just, just launches us on the right foot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, people will be stoked about seeing it go from one place to the, you know, to the brand new space. And then people will be excited to be like, finally, I could see just like a great stand up show in this new space on Danforth. Like, yeah, the hype yeah, is exactly. for sure.
2: York Street is going to be wild. Like, I can't even explain how. I can't wait. <laughs> it's a it's a mecca. It's just so uh, cool. Um,
1: it's going to
0: have that new comedy smell, which everyone loves. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, amazing. The, Gary, this is so exciting and it's so exciting to see such great stuff happening uh, and, and you know, how incredibly, um, I don't know, how much we all owe to to you sort of being behind the scenes running all of this stuff. So big, huge thank you on behalf of all of the comedians. I think
2: it's, for me, it's a thank you to all the comedians because they, they chose to embrace it and, uh, you know, they, they could have not done that too, you know, we could have mm-hmm. Could have remained a community of people all doing our own thing in a bunch of different places and we decided to rally around one thing and the fact that it's like my thing doesn't change that it's like not everybody's thing.
1: like everyone oh. has to
2: make that choice.
1: so oh man that's, I love that's that. what makes it work. That makes my heart feel full. It's, uh, it's just
0: great that it exists. It's, yeah. a, it's like a good thing that it's out there.
1: But how how can people you know follow you and keep in touch and 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 make sure to you know f- keep an eye on the progress at Comedy Bar and and in your own kind of endeavors?
2: Uh, I've got an ICQ. <laughs> no, uh, we don't post too much. You can go on the Comedy Bar Instagram account. We don't. Uh, we, we post little teasers and hints on there. Uh, we had to do that a little bit for because you know we were we had to post for our. Uh, liquor license, you have to put a sign on the outside. It's all boarded up right now because they are doing construction inside, but, like, we had to put that sign there, and we're like, someone's going to see it, so but <laughs> it, we had to start stacking. So you know, uh, So there will be a little bit on there. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of it is, like, check out Instagram and uh, secondcity.com. Uh, we're hoping to, you know, be able to uh, have information out to people as soon as possible uh hopefully the end of next week but it it could be later than that so you know um it'll be i literally go by the you know i'm at the construction site every day and talking to our general contractor and going what do you think (laughs) (laughs) we just want to pick the date once we don't have to you know want to be able to put tickets on sale or get you know uh, get things selling you can't then like shift it on everybody oh yeah 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 so you know, you're trying to predict something that is almost impossible to predict. Yeah. Yeah. Just give you enough, give yourself enough room that, you know, get, uh, some flexibility in there. You know, we'd all like, we'd all love to have, you know, unlimited time for them to finish the work and for us to like wander around in its glory <laughs> before we, it's like, yeah, I'm sure we'll be hammering nails as the friends are walking in the door. So, and that's certainly how it was last time. So
1: I don't <laughs> see it. Well, at least consistency is key here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: well, thank you so, so
1: much, Gary. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh Nick, anything? Do you have anything else before we before we leave it today? What do you think?
0: Uh, just uh, you know, be prepared to go to the bathroom with a tarp around you. <laughs> if, if you have to do it. You gotta,
1: you know, sometimes that's yeah. what you gotta do. All be right, fun. thanks. I'll bring the blue tarp just in case. Oh, yeah. yeah. We should frame it, you know, at least a small <laughs> part of it in homage. Well, thank you, Gary. We like to sign off by saying struggle on. Would you mind saying struggle on before we uh, go? Str-
2: struggle on.
1: Yay. Thank you. Bye, Gary.
2: Thanks.
0: Bye.
1: That Sol- was...
0: Solid episode, Bruce. An
1: episode. Yes, it was. Thank you to Gary for coming. And oh, my goodness, I see a dog just like the it's dog in, aw, just like the dog in gary's uh, speech there's a uh, speech in gary's interview there's also a dog i'm looking at a dog uh, right now but folks at home you can see she's being very happy and very cute ah <laughs> she's coming to check on me
0: she could probably hear me talking she's like who are you talking to you what's going all the on life? up
1: there <laughs> all the deets? uh nick what did you like the most about this episode
0: uh learning about what's what's coming up like and sorry first of all learning that Gary's a nice dude <laughs> yeah I think yeah like he's trying his best out there to to get everyone some stage time so everyone can have fun and laugh yeah and you know building more stages helps that
1: <laughs> no kidding no kidding exciting like yeah because it's not easy to do that especially in toronto you know what i mean like the real estate's so crazy and just like putting all this stuff together is not easy so you know like whenever you see gary give him a high five (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he seems pumped
0: about the new second city thing yeah uh building the The, the, the the de comedy
1: oh man that's gonna be exciting i'm excited for that
0: and i'm happy for like a second comedy bar Yeah. It's like, it's one of those things I didn't know I wanted until I knew I was getting it. I was like, well, yes, yes, please. (laughs) Why not?
1: Yeah. Something could be going on on one side of town that you're like, and then on the other side of town, you're like, oh, you have options.
0: Yeah. But like, you know, it's taking that one step closer to the New York model of you work. You go to the, the one out east, then you come into town, and then maybe you go to someplace else. You get you get a couple sets in a night there, Bree.
1: Yeah. I mean, that already exists, but it's fun that it's both going to be – like that it's another location, another mm-hmm. place dedicated strictly to comedy, and, and that hopefully it'll have kind of similar vibes, good vibes to the one on the West End. So, yeah, I'm yep. excited for that too. Um, yeah, I can't wait to – can't wait to, to see that one, to see both of the new spaces. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, well, like he said, if you're interested in, in, what, uh, in these big projects, you're going to check out, um, for sure, check out Comedy Bar's Instagram uh, or their website uh, to find out what shows are going on. If you're yep. more interested in listings and that kind of stuff, go straight to their website. And uh, if you're interested in, you know, what's coming up with The Second City, be sure to check out com. And I'm sure, like Gary said, there's going to be some announcements coming out pretty soon. about. Mm-hmm. And you, can all,
0: you, you might even see Bree there every once in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Especially when we start doing classes in person again, which we haven't quite done, but yeah, once we're, that happens again, I feel I'll like be... we're getting closer. <laughs> I yeah, as soon as that happens, I'm I can't wait to be able to offer some in person classes back at Second City because that is a dream.
0: Let's freaking go!
1: Woo! Uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and if you enjoyed it, share it liberally, you know, mm. widely, and uh, and. Longly, what?
0: Yep. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> follow us on all the social medias. Well, not all of them. Only Facebook, the Constant Struggle Podcast, and Twitter at we, Struggle. Yeah, Pod. we got the
0: Twitters. Yep. Yeah,
1: at Struggle Pod. Uh, check out the website uh, Constant Struggle Podcast for more episodes and our back catalogs and a bunch of other awesome interviews we've done in the past, similar to the one that we did today with Gary. Um, what else, Nick?
0: I don't know, Brie. I I suppose you could just struggle on. You could
1: struggle on.